Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener podcast where the team preview series getting us ready for the college basketball season rolls on. Tonight, we head over to the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, Cincinnati Bearcats, and we're going to get previewed here by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Chad Brendel, B-R-E-N-D-E-L. Chad's going to talk about Mick Cronin's team. Mick Cronin's team last year, 30-6, second in school history to record 30 wins. The first was that team back in 2001-2002. That was the year after the Kenyon Martin team. They went 31-4, lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament in double overtime to a tough UCLA team in that 1-8-9 game. Cincinnati is a team that I love. We've talked a lot about him here on the Screen the Screener podcast. And for the 2017-2018 season, I think this is an absolute sleeper to make the Final Four. They are balanced. They have scoring in a bunch of different ways, inside and outside. And you know that they are tough defensively all across the board. They were ranked eighth nationally in holding teams points with their scoring defense, only giving up 61.3 points per game. The biggest challenge to them in conference may be Wichita State that's coming over now, joining the conference for the first time. And Cincinnati, having been there, certainly is the team that feels like they have to defend their turf. And you know Cincinnati, you know how tough they play. They follow the great Mick Cronin, one of my favorite coaches in all of college basketball. And they have quite an amazing team coming back. Seniors Gary Clark, Kyle Washington, Jaron Cumberland in the backcourt, who was the all, who was all-rookie team for the AAC last year. Joined by transfer Kane Broom from Sacred Heart. He ranked 8th nationally in 2015-2016 at 23 points per game. So he sat out a year and he's ready to go here as a junior here for Cincinnati. It's going to bring some explosive scoring. They have backups. They have depth. Justin Jennifer in the backcourt. Super quick guard. And don't forget about the leading scorer coming back. Jacob Evans, the swingman, 13.5 points per game coming back from Mick Cronin's team. They even have some really solid recruits coming in. You're going to hear Chad talk about Keith Williams a little bit from Bishop Lachlan in Brooklyn, New York, as well as Mamadou Diara, and talk about his incredible athleticism as well. Really excited about the Bearcats turning our team preview series. We're rolling on. We have teams coming every single day. And today, we were fortunate to talk to Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com. Let's hear what he has to say about the Cincinnati Bearcats. Screen the Screener team preview series rolls on here today with a preview of the Cincinnati Bearcats. And we are very, very fortunate to have Chad Brendel, owner of BearcatJournal.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Chad Brendel, B-R-E-N-D-E-L. He's going to preview the Cincinnati Bearcats upcoming college basketball season. Chad, thanks so much for a few minutes. How you doing? Doing great, Mike. How are you? Fantastic. And and this is a pleasure for me because this year on the on the podcast, I have been hyping and talking about the Bearcats. I love Mick Cronin. I'm a huge fan. I had them pick last year to beat UCLA. I thought that was a perfect contrast in, in styles. So this is a big one for me, man. That, that was a pretty great year last year for the Bearcats, wasn't it? It was a fantastic year. They, they you know, Troy Copain provided great senior leadership, him and Kevin Johnson. And uh, the, the pieces were all starting to come together with Jacob Evans and Gary Clark and Kyle Washington and the emergence of Jaron Cumberland. Uh, and that kind of rolls over into this season where, uh, from what I've seen so far, and uh, I may or may not have snuck into their first scrimmage of the season today. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. So I, I might have some inside info there that nobody else has. But um, uh, they really learned a lot, I think, from last year and, and learned a lot uh, that, that they're going to be able to use this season to uh, to make things even better. 
Yeah, and it's it really starts with Mick Cronin, and I, and I just think that there's an underappreciation for the hard, tough, defensive-minded team. I mean, this Cincinnati team has had sustained success now, seven trips to the NCAAs. You have Wichita State coming into the conference this year in, in the AAC. Talk about that. I view Cincinnati as still the top team. I know Wichita State is is certainly getting the hype, but I think the Bearcats are going to be right there with them. Uh, I, I think so, too. I think, you know, it, it's interesting. Wichita State's going to be a very interesting case point because a lot of the the love that they're getting is because of the numbers that they put up in a lesser conference in the Missouri Valley. So how do those numbers translate into the American, which should be pretty solid this year, um, especially in the middle where I think last year that was the problem in the league. You had two premier teams in SMU and Cincinnati. But after that, there really wasn't anybody else that could really step up and challenge those two teams. I think that'll be different this year. Uh, and I'm very interested to see with Wichita State, everybody wants to talk about you know, their shooting percentages and their, their three-point percentage and the way that their offense played. Uh, but let's see how that offense translates into this league. Uh, and and I think talent for talent, I think both teams are very even. Uh, I can understand some uh, thinking with Larry Shamit that, that they might have a little bit of an edge. Uh, and I think this Cincinnati team, it comes down to point guard. It's going to come down to how well does Kane Broom transition into the Cincinnati system? How well does he work uh, for what Mick Cronin wants to do? And how fast does he get up to speed? Because once you get into December, this thing gets real, really fast for Cincinnati because they're going to play Xavier, Florida, Mississippi State, and UCLA in a two-week span at the beginning of December. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Cincinnati's always been a team where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Everyone scores 10 points, you know, different leader every night. Copain had some great games for them there. But you talked about, about Kane Broom, and my, my partner Gus has predicted that Kane Broom is going to be first team all AAC. I Ooh. think he provides a different dimension for this team. Talk about what you think his impact is going to be and what the Bearcats are looking for out of Kane Broom. Well, he and Troy Copain, I don't think you could find two different styles of point guards, two more different styles of point guards. Troy was a big physical grind you out, you know, never going to make a mistake um, right behind Monte Morris and assist to turnover ratio the last two seasons. Um, Kane is incredibly fast, uh, slippery. He knows how to get to the rim. He knows how to get to the lane and, and create problems for a defense. So it's just going to be a completely different style. Now, I think the big thing with Kane is is if you know Mick Cronin, Mick Cronin and the way he coaches well, uh, he is allergic to turnovers. Uh, That's exactly he, right. Yep. He absolutely hates turning the ball over. Kane had four and a half, almost five turnovers a game at Sacred Heart. Now a different style, but he's going to have to learn to value the ball uh, for Mick Cronin. And the quicker he does that, the, the smoother this transition is going to be. If he comes in and he's turning it over two, three times a half, He's not going to get to play two, two to three enough to turn it over two to three times a half. So I think that's the initial uh, adjustment that you're going to see between the way that he had played before and the way that he plays now. Um, I don't think you're going to. He's not going to need to score 23 and a half points a game like he did as a sophomore at Sacred Heart because offensively this is by far Mick Cronin's best starting five, uh, and you've got five guys at each different spot 
that can put the ball in the basket at a pretty high clip. So how he distributes, how he adjusts is going to be the key early. Yeah, that's exactly right. Turnovers are not going to happen. And last year when they went out there and won at Iowa State, that was a tremendous win. And that's really where I think people start appreciating, hey, you know what? This Bearcat team, they play together, they don't turn the ball over, and they're not going to beat themselves. So that's that's the truth. McCronin, right? You make, you make a turnover, you're hitting the pine. That's the way it's going to be. Well, you know, it's not that he doesn't uh, tolerate some turnovers that come from effort or, you know, just a, a miscue. But, you know, if you if you make a really stupid pass and it turns into two points on the other end, he might call timeout just to get you out of the game faster. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, it's the it's the, the the mental stuff, the, you know, being able to read where the help is and not throwing a pass directly to the help when there was an easier pass, you know, on the opposite side of the floor that you should have made. Um, that's very big for him. And uh, that's a big reason why his teams win because they know how to value the basketball. Now with the tempo turned up, there are, you're going to see a little bit of an increase because you're having more possessions and you're playing faster. So there's going to be room for a little bit of a bump there, but you know, you're not four turnovers. A game is not going to happen by one player. He's not going to allow it. No, that's exactly right, Chad. Another staple of a successful team certainly is senior leadership. And the two seniors here that jump out to me are, of course, Gary Clark and Kyle Washington. Clark was a mainstay. He was a guy who was a 2016 Defensive Player of the Year in the conference. And Kyle Washington ended up coming over from NC State. And last year, he's the top, he's the second top returning scorer with 12.9 points per game and 6.8 rebounds per game. So talk about that senior leadership and how that's really going to be a foundational piece for the Bearcats this year. It's interesting because you couldn't find two more different human beings than Gary Clark and Kyle Washington. Um, Gary is, uh, and he's getting a little bit, he's coming out of his shell a little bit because his leadership is needed on this team. But Gary is uh, a quiet kid, a grown man now. I, I've, I met Gary when he was like 15 uh, out on the AAU circuit, so I've known him for a long time. And he genuinely is the, I've been working in and around college athletics since I was 17. So 22 years, he is the nicest human being I've ever met in college athletics. He's just a genuinely great person. And, you know, he's having to come out of his shell and be a little bit more vocal. But this team has so much respect for him that when he pulls a guy aside and talks to him about something, they listen. Uh, you know, they they pay attention to everything he says and they they absorb everything he says because of his work ethic and because of the type of person he is. Kyle's a lot more fiery. Kyle will, will scream and yell and, you know, he's the guy that's on the bench, you know, clapping and, and getting guys uh, motivated and pumped up when he's out of the game. Uh, very rah-rah guy. And I think it's a it's a good dynamic for that locker room because you need that energy. You need a guy that provides that energy, but you also need that quiet leader, that guy that that sets the tone by example, and they have both in place right now. I think it's a very good fit between the two. Yeah, I agree. And now if you look at start going to some of the other players, Cumberland returns. He was 8.3 points per game. And Jacob Evans, of course, 13.5 points per game, leading scorer. This is a team, Broom's coming in. You have those established guys. They've had success here. Last three years we're talking, last four years really, 15-3 and three in conference, 13-5 and five in conference, 12-6 and six in conference, and then 16-2 and two in conference. So talk about the balance there in the backcourt when you're talking about Jacob Evans and Cumberland as well. Well, I'm going to make a bold prediction, Mike. We, we love those. We love those on the Screen the Screener podcast. I think the leading scorer on this team is going to be Jaron Cumberland. Ooh, that is bold. I like that. Uh, I, because, and I think the big reason, one, there's going to be such great balance on this team that it, one night one guy's going to go for 20, the next night, you know, 
Another guy, you might have four different leading scorers in four games, five different leading scorers in five games. The one thing I love about Jaron Cumberland is he is always aggressive. He is always playing downhill. If you go back to that second half of the UCLA game, the only reason Cincinnati had a swinging chance uh, to to hang with UCLA in that game was because Jaron Cumberland took over offensively. He attacks the rim. He can get to the free throw line, and I think that's the key on being the leading scorer on this team. You're going to have to get to the line and convert. If When you add up those five to six points a night, I think that makes a big difference over the long haul on a team that's going to have you know, five guys that are in double digits. Who's that guy that's going to be the one that has the most consistency every night? It's that guy that's going to be at the free throw line, and I think that guy's going to be Jaron Cumberland. Jacob Evans um, is incredibly efficient for a wing. Uh, when you look at his numbers, his three-point percentage is high. His two-point percentage is high. He's great in transition. Um, I, you know, UC fans would like him to be a little bit more, have a little bit more of that alpha dog mentality that Jaron has, but that's not really his personality. He's a guy that doesn't force the issue. He's going to take the play when it's there. Um, I think they'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive and force the issue at times. But you, you know, you're you're not going to be upset with a guy that scores 14 points and, you know, has an effective field goal percentage at you know, 58 for a wing. Um, that's You're going to be okay with that. But maybe just a touch more of playing downhill, of being on the attack a little bit more when this team needs it. And, and you know, Jacob Evans is a guy, that, he's got all the tools to be an NBA 3 and D guy. Uh, he's six foot five and a half, six yep. foot six or so. He's got a 42 inch vertical leap. You know, he's, he's a, a really, really solid defender. So you want to see maybe, does he take it to another level this year as well? If you get him and Cumberland, both playing at a really high level, there's not many teams in the country that are going to be able to beat Cincinnati. Yeah. Cumberland was on the old rookie team last year in the AAC. And you're right. I mean, 15 points in that game against UCLA. That was a contrast in styles. Bearcats were up at the half. I mean, I, I really think that's a type of game that can springboard them because they tasted it, right? They, they, Chad, they tasted success last year. They've certainly had regular season success, but this is a team, all these parts that you're talking about, they're versatile, they're efficient, they're balanced, and they have a great coach. I mean, this is the, the, the equation, right? That we could really see some major, major progress this year. And this team could make a final four. They could absolutely do that. Uh, I agree. And, you know, I think when you talk about that UCLA game, the one thing that that team, didn't necessarily have was the overall offensive firepower to answer when UCLA went on their run. Yep. And they they went from up three to down nine in the blink of an eye. Yep. This team has that offensive firepower. This team, you know, when you when you and Troy Copain had a phenomenal career at Cincinnati. I think if you ask Troy in an honest moment, he would tell you he didn't have the senior year that he maybe wanted to have, mm -hmm. uh, especially on the offensive end of the floor. He only shot about 36% from the field. Uh, Kane Broom has a chance offensively to be an upgrade at that position. Jared Cumberland is going to be an upgrade over Kevin Johnson, and that's not to knock Kevin Johnson. He was a great defender, a great four-year player for the Bearcats, but you are inserting an alpha dog on offense into that starting lineup over a guy that was more defense and, and, and toughness. So now you have a team that, that has the experience that you're talking about. This is going to be one of the oldest teams in the NCAA. I don't think people realize that. I think you know, when you get away from the one-and-done teams, the teams that have guys that are older, I mean, you're talking fifth-year senior in Kyle Washington, fourth-year junior in Kane Broom, um, and then um, Gary Clark 
uh, I believe is 22 years old or so. And then you, you go through the rest of the roster. You've got a roster that's got some age and some experience under their belt. Now they've got that firepower to go with Mick Cronin's coaching. I, I absolutely think this is a team that can challenge into the second weekend. And if they, you know, if they if they're playing at the top of their game in March, they could potentially make a final four. I wouldn't call them a favorite. But they're in the in the conversation for sure. Absolutely, and and, and Copain is a guy on the East Coast here. I always loved him, and it's funny that you said that about him because I always felt like he could have scored more. I was waiting for the explosive scoring game because you would see it in spurts, right? But what you're saying is that wasn't really his makeup. And a guy like Kane Broom and having Cumberland get into that starting lineup that could bring them a dimension that they just haven't had. Absolutely, because now you're talking, you know. Troy, everybody would, I, I think, remember Troy's biggest game probably as a Bearcat uh, was the the overtime, the triple overtime game against UConn where, yeah. yep. that, where they threw in the, the 50-footer or whatever. Jalen <laughs> Adams threw in the 75-footer to, to send it there to – to send it to triple overtime that or was, whatever. Chad, that was Oprah's opening game. Wasn't an opening round game in that tournament. I remember yeah. just trying to watch it at work and I'm, I'm like, is this game over yeah. yet? It like went on until like six, seven o'clock, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that one was a tough one. But but yeah. Copain was incredible. He played 50 minutes and didn't have a turnover. Wow. Or had one turnover, whatever it was. But he had like 36 points in that game. But that guy just never really came out his senior year. Uh, and, you know, some of it was – he struggled with the shot selection at times, and he just never found a rhythm from three-point range like you had thought that, you know, or hoped that he would as a senior. So um, now instead of your point guard having a solid, you know, 11 points and five assists, now you've got a guy in Kane Broom on a good night. He might have 22 points. And, and you know, for a team that plays defense like Cincinnati does, to increase the possessions, to increase the point production – takes them into a completely different stratosphere on what they can do in terms of, you know, playing with Florida or UCLA or the Crosstown shootout this year is going to be an absolute uh, insane sure. yep. battle. Um, so, it, you know, it, it just gives a little bit of a different element to that offense that I really think has a chance to make this team different. You know, and the, the last time the the prior to last year, the best offensive team that Mick Cronin, Mick Cronin had coached was 2012, and that's when you had Kashmir Wright, Sean Kilpatrick, Deion Dixon, Jaquan Parker, Yancey Gates, all five guys that can score. Yep. Now you're finally back to, to that again where you're not trying to hide a guy on offense. You know, it, how much Cincinnati you watched a couple years ago, the Sean Kilpatrick year, yep. he was the only guy on the floor that could score. They that's had exactly to run right. yep. mm -hmm. specific designed offensive sets to get him free, to get him the ball, to put the ball in the basket. Quick hitters, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't have to do that with this team. They can take what's there. And, and, you know, if you get it inside to Gary Clark and you double down on Gary Clark, you're going to let him kick out to Jacob Evans for a wide-open three. That three ball is going in. So it, it's just a, a completely different feeling around this team as, you know, I've had the chance to watch them over the past couple months uh, as they get ready. My partner really likes Justin Jennifer. He flashed last year. Great ball handler. What's his impact going to be? Is he, what, what's the next step? He has to be more efficient, right? I mean, that's he was only 44% from, from the field last year. But talk about him. Can he be a guy who can come in sort of a spark plug microwave guy this year for them? Absolutely. And I think he had kind of a, a, a come to Jesus moment over this summer. It was, it was brought to his attention. Are you just going to be a guy? Like you're going to be the guy that came in played behind Troy for four years. Now you're going to let Kane Broom come in and take this point guard spot. And, and you know, now the next two years you're going to play behind him. You, you're going to allow yourself to be an eight minute a game guy throughout your career. 
And, and I think that really energized him and really sparked him. Uh, and over the past month and a half, he has been really, really good in practice. Um, you know, he's never going to be a big time scorer, uh, but he's he's improved his jump shot. Uh, when he first came in, he shot a knuckleball that we looked at each other on the sidelines and thought, that's never going to get fixed. <laughs> to his credit, he has spent a lot of time working on it. His jump shot looks really good now. He's learning to pick his spots. Um, I think it takes a guy that size a little bit of time to figure out at this level where to get the ball around the big hands. Because, you know, when when a six foot ten guy with a seven foot three wingspan is coming to block your shots, there's not a whole lot of places to go when you're five foot nine generously. Um, so he's done a better job of that. And he's really done a nice job adapting to having a lot of toys to play with. You know, you put him out there with with those other four guys. He doesn't have to score. He can break down a defense, get in the lane, give it to Kyle Washington for a dunk, kick it out for a three pointer. He, he's just got the ability now to play with him within himself, the, the knowledge now to play within himself. He's letting the game come to him quite a bit more. I think, you know, if, if there is any struggle with Kane as he picks up the system, Justin's going to be ready. And then when Kane's ready to go, you've got two guys at point guard that if you want to play really fast, maybe you can play them together in spurts. But even if not, you're not going to see a ton of drop off from one to the other. The style will be different, but the level of play will still be high. You know, it sounds like a deep team this year for Cincinnati, but talk about the incoming freshmen. What impact do you see them making? Do you see DR making an impact? Because, you know, certainly last year Cumberland did a nice job. But with this team, with a lot of veteran leadership, are there going to be minutes there for some of these freshmen? I think the one to really keep an eye on is Keith Williams. Um, yep. He was he was the player of the year in New York City. Uh, six foot five, incredibly efficient in transition. Um, good feel for the game. He's got that Mick Cronin toughness inherently built into him. Um, an aggressive kid. And I think he's going to continue that line of it went from Jacob Evans to Jaron Cumberland. And now you're going to see Keith Williams step into that role as the first wing off of the bench. They can give him some pop, give him some scoring. Um, but also, he's going to be a really good defender, uh, which if you're not a good defender, you don't play for McCronin. Um, so yeah, Mamadou Diarra is uh, one of the more interesting prospects I've seen in, in McCronin's time at Cincinnati. He's six nine and a half. He's got a seven two seven three wingspan. He, he hit uh, the vertical jump. They're testing. The highest at the NBA Combine is 12 foot two in the history of the NBA Combine. Mamadou Diarra just hit 12 foot three and a half. Ooh, oh, that is a nice tidbit there for us, Chad. That's great. So this is a kid that is just an insane athlete. He can handle the ball a little bit. He's got nice touch on his jump shot. He has no clue what he's doing yet. But the skill level is there and the natural ability is there for him. If he buys in, and, and so far he's been fantastic. If he buys into what the coaches are trying to teach him and, and gets up to speed, there's not many guys with with that kind of just raw, natural athletic ability. Um, he, he's a freak. So I don't know how quickly that's going to happen, but if it's some, if he's he's one of those guys that if you play him early and you let him build some confidence, and obviously Gary Clark is going to play a lot, you know, and Mamadou's at the four, so that's Gary Clark's spot, and they also have a, a redshirt sophomore in Trey Scott. Uh, at that position as well. But if you get him some time early and you get him some confidence, that could be a guy by late January, early February, that all of a sudden you've got a lethal weapon off the bench that the teams just can't match, you know, as their eighth guy or whatever that, that he would be on the on, in the rotation at that point. 
I got to ask you, my partner and I have sort of a bucket list here, games we got to get to. And at the top of that list is, of course, Xavier Cincinnati. It's Saturday, December 2nd. It's at Xavier. We have never been there. Can you tell us what that's like and what goes on there? I mean, is, is there a better rivalry? I mean, it must be incredible. It's nasty. <laughs> it, it, it's nasty. <laughs> Xavier people don't like Cincinnati. Cincinnati people don't like Xavier. It is. It is. There's bad blood. <laughs> Love it. And, yeah, and, literally. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, is these are, you know, it, these are people you work with. This isn't like, you know, Louisville and Lexington for Kentucky and, and UofL or, or while granted Chapel Hill and, and Durham are closed. Those are two different places. Cincinnati, these are people you work with. These are, uh, if you're, if you don't know how to manage friendships, these are people that you could be a good friend with. And now you have to listen all year to my team beat your team. Personally, I just don't have any friends that, that pull for Xavier. So <laughs> that's the move. That makes it a efficiency, <laughs> friendship efficiency, right, Chad? Yeah. But you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's nasty. It's, it, you saw what happened in 2010. That was, that was, there was a lot of, you know, what people don't talk about, there was a lot of build up to that. There was the Jordan Crawford, Lance Stevenson game. And Kenny Freeze and Yancey Gates had hated each other since they were like 12 years old because uh, they were both from Ohio and they were both the, the best two big men in their class coming up. Um, it, it's a little different now. There used to be um, a summer league in Cincinnati that both teams played at and te- they would play open gym against each other and pick up games around the city or whatever. Since summer workouts have started, teams are doing a lot less of that. So you don't see the the uh, interaction in the summer where these guys get to really know each other. So now the two teams don't really know each other all that well, but the fan bases make up for it in hatred. Um, if you go into Centos Center, don't bring uh, anyone that's under 13, I yeah, would say. Right. Wow. Because It's not kind. What is said, what is uh, thrown at the UC faithful is not kind <laughs> there. When when the tables are turned and, and it's Xavier sitting on that opposing bench, the things said from the Cincinnati students to the Xavier section, not kind. Uh, there, it's, it's bad blood, and it, it makes it a lot of fun, really. Uh, we got to get to that game. Listen, I, I got one more question for you, then we'll get you out of here. We, we can't thank you enough for your time. No problem. I, I'm going to pin you here. I want a prediction. I, I'm tell you. I'm just going to be full disclosure. You're talking to a guy who is probably going to pick them to win the AAC and upset Wichita State. So give me a prediction for Cincinnati in the conference, and give me a prediction in the NCAA tournament. I think they win the AAC. Boy. I, I, I really boy. do. And that that is no disrespect to Wichita State. I just think one, you've got your best two players with foot injuries. I mean, that's a concern. Like I don't think that's being talked about enough nationally. Basketball players and foot injuries are a bad combination because that stuff lingers. And, you know, Shamet's expected back in, no- in November. Um, Marcus McDuffie expected back in December. But you, you never know how those things allow a player to get back up to speed. I just think with this Cincinnati team, they taste it. They want it. They know last year they were very, very close to that conference championship. But I, I think there's some understanding as, as things played out. SMU had a better team. Yep. They had, they had a couple NBA guys on that team, and, and they had a couple veteran guys that knew how to make things happen when the game was on the line. And guess what? That team was old, very old, because they had transfers, and they had guys in their fifth year, and they had guys that had that experience that Cincinnati is looking at on their roster now. And I think this is a team that, 
understands it probably fell a little bit short of, of what they wanted to do last year. There were some things on the table that they wanted to accomplish that didn't happen. Um, I think because the schedule is much tougher, the the record might be a tick lower. I think because the American is should hopefully be much tougher this year. You might not see 16 and two, uh, but I think 14 and four or 15 and three are going to be good enough to win the conference this year. I think Cincinnati gets to that again, that key stretch in December, Xavier, Florida, Mississippi state, UCLA is going to determine what kind of seed this team gets and, and, and how far they can get into the NCAA tournament. I think if they can go even two and two in that stretch, they're going to be in great shape. If they go three and one in that stretch, um, they're going to be in a really good position in terms of seeding uh, going into the NCAA tournament. I think this is a second weekend team. Yep. And, and I think you get to the Sweet 16 and it's all about matchups. I, I don't ever feel comfortable predicting anything from that point because it is, you know, the 16, hypothetically, the 16 best teams in the country. But I think with the mix of offense and defense, when you look historically, the teams that go really far are generally the teams that are balanced and really good on both sides of the ball. I think this is a top 15 defense. If it's a top 25 offense, like I think it can be, you're looking at a team that has a chance to get past the Sweet 16 and play for a chance to be in a Final Four. Totally agree with you. That is a that is a great stretch. We'll be watching, Chad. A two-week stretch there at Xavier, Florida, Mississippi State, and at UCLA. That's a great fortnight of basketball there for Cincinnati Bearcat fans. Chad Brendel, we can't thank you enough. Owner of BearcatJournal.com. you got to go check out the site, folks. He knows everything about the Bearcats. They're going to have a big, big year this year. And make sure to follow him on Twitter at Chad Brendel. Chad, thanks so much, man. This is a fantastic preview. I'm a huge Bearcat guy this year, and to get the insight you gave us was incredible. Thanks so much. Mike, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. 